In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. everyone and welcome to Good News for the City, the broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC. My name is Brian Bales and I am your host for this show. One of the things that I have the privilege to do more often than be right here on your radio is to be the lead pastor at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. And one of the things that excites me so much as a pastor is when I hear the story of someone that God has reached into their life and transformed them. And one of my favorite types of shows that we do here on Good News for the City is to tell those God stories to a greater listening audience. You know, we say oftentimes that it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the theme of the show, and it's the truth of the gospel that makes a way not only out in the world, but also in our own individual lives. And so today, joining us on this show, we have someone who's going to tell you their God story and how God transformed them. But before we do that, It's not uncommon, as I say, that we take a verse of scripture and we talk about it for a moment and then we see how it applies to our life. This is a verse that if you've been listening to the show that, you know, I've referred to from time to time is that verse where God can take our lemons and make lemonade out of it. You probably have heard it, but here it comes. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know we are confident that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And it says in verse 29, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. What does that mean? Well, it means that God is able to take those mistakes that we made, things that he wouldn't choose for us, but still redeem those into something greater. And so when we understand the word all things, you know what it actually means, folks? It means everything, Mm -hmm. even those stuff. And he uses those if we allow him to make us more like Jesus. And today we're going to hear a story of a restored life uh, of Kelly. Kelly's a Christian woman of faith and she is a sober alcoholic. And daily she's empowered by the Holy Spirit and she experiences freedom from addiction and she encourages others who are walking on a similar path. And she's able to experience that freedom and able to talk about that today because God can still work all things together. She is living proof that God's love turns defeat into victory and the defeated into the victorious. Kelly, thanks for uh, being on the show today. And thanks, just I want to tell you up front, for being willing to be open and vulnerable about a topic, addiction, that many times people are not willing to be open and vulnerable about. So thanks for joining the show. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Yes. It yeah, is a vulnerable so, place to be. It is. Let me tell people a little bit about you, because if we're not careful, I think we can draw preconceived ideas around only certain types of people might struggle with addiction. We all have sort of our stereotypes, but I want to kind of tell people about you in case their stereotype doesn't fit the reality of your life. 
because you've not had a drink since May 29, 2004, but you're also a philanthropist with a desire to serve God by serving others. You were born in Omaha. You hold a degree from the University of Nebraska. You spent several years in the corporate event planning or focusing your efforts on charitable endeavors, all while raising children. But as a wife, a mother, and a volunteer in the community, not a lot of people would have known sort of like your background and your struggle with alcohol. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you were also active member in your church and led various Bible studies, where now you take those past moments and you infuse them into your current moment in the power of Jesus Christ to talk openly about addiction and recovery. Uh, you live right here in the Northern Virginia, Washington metro area, and uh, you are involved in all kinds of ministries. You have two grown children. And I have to tell you, it says here you split your time between Florida and here. Um, <laughs> the last couple of days of weather around here, I, I bet you imagine you were wishing you in Florida and not here. But uh, thank you for being specifically here on this show, right? You are welcome. So, Kelly, Things don't happen in a vacuum. And by that, I mean this. We almost always have a story behind our story. Mm-hmm. And so could you tell us a little bit about your story? Tell us about maybe your childhood and your early life and how that influenced you as eventually you entered into your teens and then into young adulthood. Well, sure. Um, I was raised in the Midwest and I had a typical middle class upbringing. Uh, my parents were married 42 years before my dad died. I have an older brother whom I idolized. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic who got sober the year I was born, and he stayed sober until mm-hmm. his death 34 years later. So I never saw him drunk, but he would rage, and we never knew what would set him off. He uh, was physically abusive as well as fun-loving and friendly, so it was confusing. Um, I started drinking like many kids, you know, in high school at the keg Mm -hmm. parties and the formals, and I vomited and blacked out the first time I drank. And a blackout is when I look and behave normally, but I have no recollection of what I said or did in that time frame. And so it's really freaky. Um, I thought blackouts were normal and did not learn until being in recovery that only alcoholics have blackouts that people can drink heavily and they can drink often, but that a blackout is a symptom of alcoholism. So I was an alcoholic from my first drink. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Because I think we have certain, as I said already, preconceived ideas about certain types of people that might struggle with Mm -hmm. addiction or certain ways that our addictions come about. And, And one of the things that you're highlighting already is that many addictions become the expression of some other things, some some root causes in crisis or challenge. And certainly we've had people on the show before that talk about uh, addiction or being the family member of an addicted loved one. And they make connection points that knowingly or unknowingly, we as human beings always need to seek something to help deal with a crisis in our lives. The, the someone we should seek is Jesus. But if we don't seek Jesus, it needs to be remedied somehow. And many times, We choose things like alcohol or others that lead to addictive, more destructive behavior in trying to deal with the other behavior we were trying to deal with. Now, how would you say that your family and your friends, when they engaged you and they were connecting with you, would have described you in your early years of being married and being a mom of young kids? Because frankly, being a mom and being married and having young kids, anyone who's been through that process of young kids, that's got stress enough as it is. <laughs> well, 
I uh, had the facade going strong um, mm-hmm. by all appearances. We looked like the American dream. You know, I was an at-home mother of two. I was a volunteer in the community and a church-going woman. I was a leader in my Bible study group. I was popular, outgoing, had mm-hmm. girlfriends, loved a party. So I had a lot of plates spinning and I held it all together until I didn't. Um, So I didn't look like many people perceive as an alcoholic. I was not a bum wearing a trench coat, drinking out of a brown paper bag, living on the street, you know, and I didn't drink in the daytime unless, of course, it was an occasion. And um, and I didn't pass out in front of my kids. Um, I don't even know if they ever even saw me drunk because I'd start drinking, making dinner and I wouldn't finish until after they were in bed. And so what you're highlighting is, is that many times people could be struggling behind the scenes and we may not even know it or even know maybe what to look for up front for many people who on the outside look like they've got everything together. And and if you're listening today and you're like, well, I don't look that way and somebody has everything together. The good news is we need to know that no one has everything together, but it is Jesus who can put us together. Whether it is something like alcohol addiction or some other thing that we might be struggling with. Now, there's a statement that I want you to speak to, if you could, that alcohol is a progressive disease. Because you mentioned something, obviously, that you were an alcoholic from drink one. Mm -hmm. But there's some progression in that. Help people who may not be familiar with addictive cycles or addictive behaviors, maybe never had a struggle with addiction themselves, at least maybe not to alcohol, um, but maybe we've got a struggle with being addicted to social media, but that's probably a, a story for a different time that we would talk about. Help us understand how the desire grows towards that addiction, in your case, particularly alcohol, and then begins to eat in and demand more attention, more energy, and then maybe even this point where we deny certain things. Oh, all of that, Brian. Um, It's really alcoholism is a progressive disease and it is cunning, powerful, and baffling. Mm -hmm. Those are the three words we use to describe it. And, uh, you know, I drank in high school and college, and then I married a teetotaler. So I would drink only on date night. And then I would um, got to the point where I just, I really look forward to that next drink. When was Bunko? When was book club? So what you're talking about is is a way of thinking that instead of thinking about in the moment of what you're enjoying with your children or work or wherever you are, you're also just, you're living through that moment to get to the drink. Amen. That is true. That is true. It owned me and I was enslaved to a bottle of Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I got to the point where I thought, well, I'm an adult. I don't have to wait for an occasion. And so I immediately went out to Trader Joe's and bought a case of three buck Chuck Chardonnay Mm -hmm. and stocked my garage fridge and started drinking every night. And I'd start with a glass and then I'd go for two. And then I'd say, well, the bottle's almost empty. Might as well top, you know, finish it off. Sure. And it just... Uh, it's just amazing the mind. Mm-hmm. So we define alcoholism as an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Mm-hmm. And that obsession of the mind is really powerful. Yeah. I love that definition of allergy and then the obsession of the mind. I mm-hmm. think one of the things is I've had the opportunity to interact with people and, and let me know if this 
seems to resonate with you. When I said, hey, if, if I would have told you, and I picked some time in the past, say five years ago, that you'd be thinking the way you're thinking now, would you say that's healthy? And almost all the time, they're like, well, no. And the question is, what is it about that you think it's healthy now? And I love that idea when you talked about being cunning, that it's deceitful. It sort of sneaks its way in. And certainly that's the way the enemy works, like a little bit into our lives, a little bit into our lives. But the good news is greater is he that's in us, the Holy Spirit, if we're believers, than he that's in the world. And God has this way of getting our attention, (laughs) right? Yeah. And so you, you mentioned in your own life that you had this sort of, let's say watershed moment. Mm -hmm. There's even a date on it. So I'm interested in this story because I know it's got to be significant. If someone can remember the date, May 29th, 2004, which is 18 years ago now, it must've been significant. So Talk about that, if you would, and then how you went to God and how he met you in that moment. Uh, Well, it's a very important date. Um, It is the first day of my sober living life. And Mm -hmm. it's really important for me to always remember that because my disease is alive and well and active and waiting patiently for me to return to it. And so I hold that date very sacred. Um, So the day prior, May 28, 2004, I went to a neighbor's party and that was the best kind because no one's counting my drinks. Nobody's paying attention to my drinks. I can drink as much as I want. And the kids are playing in the pool and the dogs are there and the food and the friends. And Mm -hmm. like it was, I was all about it. And I went home uh, with my family and got to bed and, um, woke up in the middle of the night to use the restroom and I fell on the marble floor and my husband came running into the bathroom and he said, did you fall? And as I'm laying there sprawled out, looking up at the ceiling, feeling this huge knot growing on the back of my head, I said, no, I didn't fall. I said, it's just so cool and nice down here on the marble floor. Yeah. (laughs) He left in disgust and I'm looking up at the ceiling going, you lying piece of crap. (laughs) You didn't put yourself on the floor. You passed out and you could have killed yourself. Hmm. And I since have heard of several people who have died that way, falling in the bathroom, passing out, blacking out, hitting their head and they're done. And thank you, God, that was not me. That Mm -hmm. was my moment. And I put myself back to bed. And when I woke up in the morning, I just saw dead eyes looking back at me from the mirror. And I said, I cannot continue to live like this. I am done. And my husband came in and shook his finger at me. You know, we need to talk. And I knew what that meant. You know, I was going to get another lecture about my drinking and and blah, blah. And I said, Lord, or I said uh, to my husband, I need to pray. And I held his hand and I bowed my head and I surrendered. And I said, Lord, I have got to stop drinking and I don't know how to do it. And I need your help. And I don't want to lose my family and I don't want to lose my home. And I need you. And I felt the power of the Holy Spirit move through me from head to toe. And I knew he had heard my prayer and that I would never have to drink again. At that moment, the obsession of the mind the obsession to drink was lifted. 
And in my program, we call that a spiritual experience. And I know that it was because I know who gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And it is just, you know, sacred in my heart. And I don't want to forget because there are many sober people who stay sober a long time and then choose to pick up thinking they can have just one again. And I know that's a lie. I know that's a lie. One is too many and a thousand is not enough. Yeah. You know, you mentioned um, this truth that you reached out to God and God responded in that moment. The Hebrews tells us in chapter four, verse 16, if you come to God, you know, come with expectation, come boldly, come with confidence to him and you'll find mercy and help in your time of need. And so that's such a great reminder that no matter where we find ourselves, whether it's a situation that's been put upon us or whether it's a situation we brought upon ourselves, that God is never beyond helping us. All we have to do is ask. And certainly he reached you in that moment. And that was the beginning of that process. Now, the truth is, though, we all recognize this. We're communal individuals. None of us live in isolation, even if we like to pretend that we do. And so one of the things that often happens, certainly in addiction and other things, is what I like to call collateral damage. It's not necessarily about the people around us. It's about our struggles or whatever it might be. But the people around us are living in the midst of our struggles. And so now you've got a, a family, right, who before had known you one way, a husband and children. And now your new sobriety and daily reliance on Jesus. How did this begin to change that dynamic in your family? Well, I think that I began to take ownership of my life that day. And, um, you know, I'm still on that journey. It's a daily journey. Um, I think I used to blame my husband for not giving me enough attention and not appreciating me. And I would rage at my kids because they wouldn't do what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted. And, um, and I used to think that, you know, I had to put on the, the happy face. And today, um, I believe that I'm becoming more like the Velveteen Rabbit, Mm -hmm. you know, more real. Mm -hmm. And I honor my feelings today. I don't drink them over them. I don't stuff them. I honor them and I discern what I'm feeling. I know they're not, my feelings are not going to kill me. And I know that they too shall pass, whether Mm -hmm. good, bad, or ugly, it's all coming and going. And I have freedom today to experience them And, um, you know, to honor them. And I no longer see my family as a reflection of me. They are their own unique individuals with Mm -hmm. their own relationships with the Lord and with each other. And I'm not in charge. Oh, my gosh, the freedom to not be in control and to let Jesus take the wheel is so true for me. There's a whole lot of us here in the listening area in the Washington metro area that know what it's like to want to try to run our own lives as type A, somewhat control-oriented, or in my case, too often, too much control-oriented people. I love something that you said earlier on. I want to go back to you. You said, honor your feelings. Mm-hmm. That the truth is, is that what we feel is real, but what our feelings tell us about the world, ourselves, and God, that's not always real. Uh, and so having this idea of not stuffing them and acting like they're not there because no stuff feeling has ever disappeared by stuffing it, but allowing that, whatever that struggle is to go to God for him to speak truth into our lives. Because if that isn't resolved at some point, we need a resolution. 
whether that resolution comes by dealing with my feelings through alcohol, dealing with my feelings through eating Chick-fil-A, or dealing with my feelings in a multiplicity of other ways that at the end of the day, some of them may seem less damaging than others, but the reality, none of them are Jesus. And he's the one that's designed for that. Because we all carry burdens, right? We all experience victories. We all experience defeats as we walk with the Lord. So talk to me as you've now found yourself in this place of your life, where I, I love that just frankly, number one, your vulnerability again, and the humility of what you're saying, listen, I haven't arrived, right? We're all in process. Um, and so it's a spiritually growing thing. Talk about how your spiritual growth that you've experienced in recovery has impacted other aspects of your life. Well, uh, the 12 steps of recovery have been adapted for hundreds of addictions and issues, mm-hmm. and they are a powerful tool. And I use them everywhere. You know, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and our lives had become unmanageable. Mm-hmm. I use that over everything. I'm not in control of people, places, or things. Mm-hmm. Um, and made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Yeah over and over again, Lord, help me, Lord, help me surrender, help me accept what is not the, what I want it to be. Yeah. You know, help me trust you, help me journey with you. Use me for your glory and your purposes. It's a daily surrender. It's a daily acceptance. Yeah. And use I've me for your glory right? Yeah. Use me and your purpose that you said, and we started the show out with, we know he works and can work all things together for his purpose. And Maybe in the last minute or so, can you tell us a story of how the Lord has now used you in the life of another person in a way that because you've walked through what you've walked through, it gave you a sense of standing in their life, um, that you've walked this challenging path and that God can do something amazing for you and God can do something amazing for them. Oh, my gosh, Uh, Brian, there are too many stories, you know, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't waste a thing. And I know of several women, because I have been forthright with my story in my Bible study groups have, they're like, oh my gosh, if she can be an alcoholic, then maybe I am too. Mm. And they have come into recovery themselves. And because of that, I've seen families transformed, marriages strengthened, children and relationships restored. I mean, it is miraculous and humbling to see what God can do when we lay our burdens at his feet. What God can do when we lay our burdens at his feet, or maybe said another way, when we let him take the wheel, like you mentioned earlier on, right? (laughs) Right. Right. I got to tell you, music is powerful for me. I'm always Mm -hmm. singing a song. And Zach Williams is a terrific musician who tells my story over and over again. Chain breaker, fear Mm -hmm. is a liar, rescue story. I'm telling you, Jesus is real. And that's something for our listeners to go look up on YouTube and listen when they're done listening to this show. But there's also some other things as we close today, I want to tell you about how you can connect. If you want to know more about how to step maybe into recovery, there's several places we can send you to help. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry that helps that. And you can find out more about them at CelebrateRecovery.com. Alcoholics Anonymous, AA.org is another place you can go. If you happen to be a family member that is engaging with someone who's struggling with alcoholism and you want some resources, you can go to alanon.org. That's A-L-A-N-O-N.org. All of their great resources in discovering more about how you can walk more in freedom from alcohol. But also what we talk about this show is not, it's not just walking freedom from something, but freedom towards someone. 
uh, and that is Jesus Christ. And if you would like to talk to someone, maybe a little bit more about what it means to, to walk in freedom of Jesus Christ, there's so many ways you can do that. You can send an email to comment at WAVA.com and they'll get back to you. Or you can get a hold of me personally, right, at Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. You can call 703-729-3900. That's 703-729-3900. And someone will get you in contact with me. And I would love to personally walk you towards Jesus Christ and what he can do in your life. And and Kelly, you know, I, I want to tell people again, if they want to hear this story again, they should. They can go to goodnewsforthecity.com or if they know someone who needs to hear your story, go get it on the podcast, send it to them because you have been vulnerable today and you have told a wonderful story about the grace of God in your life and what he's done. And I'm just so grateful that you've been on the show. Thanks for joining us today. And listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. And as you go throughout your week, remember it is not us that makes the way, but it's the gospel that makes the way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes the way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.